Hey everyone, and welcome to episode five of the We Study Bitcoin podcast. After getting some requests over the last few weeks, myself and Steve have decided to do a series on the basics of Bitcoin. So in this episode, we will start from the very beginning and cover the basic topics, which will help you get a better understanding of Bitcoin and why, in our opinion, is one of the most important discoveries of our time. If you have any questions or suggestions, drop us a message at westudybitcoin.gmail.com or on Twitter under the handle at westudybitcoin. Hope you enjoy the episode. Good evening, Steve. How are you doing? I'm very good, Michael. Thanks for asking. Uh, just a bit of congratulations to ourselves for reaching episode five. Um, didn't yes. see it coming, but we got there. And, uh... <laughs> episode five, yeah. Now, I hear so many so podcasts fail before episode 10, so we've, we're halfway there. Halfway there, but I also think we uh, ignited a big discussion on the internet after our uh, last week's episode on the block reward. Uh, this was all over Twitter. Clearly, um, yeah, I think I think we were the match that uh, that that lit that fire. That was it exactly. Even though I was just like putting the episode into every thread I could find about it, <laughs> um, I'm not sure anyone bit, but sure can only keep trying. Yeah, it's topical um, though. It is topical. It's you know people are thinking about it. So yeah, that's it. Um, I don't think anyone came up with any more definitive answers than we had either. So. I, I saw something interesting, actually, uh, that I had not thought of. Um, and this is completely off the topic here, so I won't keep too long on it. But but uh, it was a suggestion of actually reducing the block size in order to solve the fee problem. So I didn't actually spend any time looking into it, but I was a bit like, ah, I, I never I never thought of that. Yeah, that's an interesting um, wrinkle. Yeah, cool. Something to look into. I'm not sure um, how that would work if you could have an elastic block maybe um, well this is it you, you when... start fiddling with anything then nothing is uh nothing is sacred you know that is there's that danger so that's it um how many how many sats are we getting for a euro i think it's still around five thousand sats give or take okay. still still good value um very good so this week i got a couple of questions and actually last week from a few people um who were listening to our episode surprisingly enough and uh, they had some fairly basic questions and the question that really uh, made me decide to do this uh i said it to you an introduction to bitcoin so we're going to go back to the basics and discuss um from the very start what is bitcoin why do we need it basics like that but the question was <laughs> what is bitcoin cash um so after I heard that, I said, okay. I forgot you got that question here. <laughs> yeah. No, so the question anybody... wasn't what is Bitcoin Cash? It was something like, you know, oh, so here's Should Bitcoin I buy Cash. Bitcoin cash? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so hopefully I've I thought it was a joke, but uh, apparently not. Person that will remain nameless uh, for now. Um, leave him out of it. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to explain uh some questions they may have and steer them well clear of bitcoin cash or any of the other bitcoin variants um so i guess um good place to start steve is uh the definition of money and the properties <laughs> money should have very good i mean we're like yes that's true okay are we, are we going to talk about uh like uh 
okay, we can talk about money. We can talk about money. You know, I mean, it'd be, the reason we're talking about money here, I suppose, is because Bitcoin is money. I mean, that's that's what I think it is. What, what would you agree? I'd agree. Yeah, that's uh, core network value is a monetary network. Yeah. So yeah. So, um, so so maybe maybe just give a broad definition of uh, Bitcoin first. Uh, just yeah. to give everyone an understanding of it. So essentially, what Bitcoin is, it's a decentralized uh, public ledger, and yep. basically, it's um, just allows people to see every transaction that's ever been made without any central authority. Um, so if you want to know um, who received Bitcoin at a certain time or date, it's all available on the public ledger, which makes it very different from the current financial system because nobody knows how much money is out there. Uh, nobody knows who's making the transactions. And it's just something that uh, you don't need to put any trust in because it's built into the system to be um, basically trustless and yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so you don't need trust, and there's no kind of centralized party. You're not relying on any kind of one person to make this transaction happen. You know, so the Bitcoin network is decentralized. It's all across the world, so you can make a transaction with anybody else, anywhere else in the world, as long as they have an internet connection. And you don't need to rely on a bank or custodian or any other central party to make that happen for you. You know, so um, yeah, it's. I mean, there's. There's a huge amount to it, but essentially all Bitcoin is, is it's a ledger. It's a ledger documenting all the transactions and everyone can see where all the transactions have gone. Everyone see where the Bitcoin is. I know that's a bit of a misnomer because Bitcoin never moves, but they can see who has control or, or, or where the um, where the Bitcoin is. And I, I think uh, a good point to differentiate there, because if anyone has any sort of tech background, they'll just be thinking, well, that's just a database. But the difference is a database sure. is centrally... Uh, yes. contained so there's one database that everybody is writing to whereas bitcoin there's multiple nodes um, that hold this ledger distributed around the world and they all contain exactly the same um, set of transactions yeah so thousands, thousands and thousands of copies um so why bitcoin why was it invented um like if we look at the, we'll go back to the properties of money and see how Bitcoin um, aligns with it. Do you want to run through them there, Steve? Yeah, so um, typical characteristics that you want in something to be a sound or useful money is you want it to be fungible so that each unit is uh, easily and readily exchanged for another unit. Uh, you want it to be durable, so this money is going to last for a long time. You don't want it to be, you know, um, cookies uh, or something that's going to break up or you know something that's easy easily replicable so it needs to be durable stand the test of time it needs to be easily divisible okay this is one of the reasons that well you can't use houses as money because you can't break a house up easily well it's not divisible and the other thing is it's not portable so that's that's zero so you've got just to, the four things fungible durable divisible and portable and i'd say they're kind of the four main characteristics as well as that money needs to be acceptable people have to be willing to accept it and it can be acceptable because you know governments make it so in that you have to pay your taxes with it so people want it because they need it to pay their taxes and you know it's easy exchangeable because of that or it can be acceptable because people recognize that it has value and it will hold value or that it has these characteristics of money something like gold you know which 
you know nations now don't recognize as as money but people will still take it as as payment or recognize that it has value even though it's you know used for um it might be just used used to store value the uh, last thing that we this is arguable okay this is the one one desirable characteristic of money would be that it should have a limited supply and that is one of the most attractive things about bitcoin is that you have this hard cap of 21 million bitcoins uh, which is divisible to satoshis but regardless you have a hard cap of 21 million bitcoin there cannot be any more bitcoin created and that's attractive uh, i mean what what I think that's an interesting point that limited supply is is a desirable characteristic of money. Do you, I mean, do you see that as a desirable characteristic of money? Uh, I think so. From the the point of view from valuing, it's it's very desirable. So if you want to actually value something, it's nearly impossible mm-hmm. to do at the moment with the current money supply because yeah. it's it, it, what you could you could describe it as a bearer asset. So you can value things off a Bitcoin because it never sure. changes whereas with yeah. current monetary monetary supply uh because it's ever mm-hmm. expanding and we don't mm-hmm. well we, we have an idea of how much it's, exp- it's expanding but i don't think anybody is going to agree on exactly why how much it's it's very difficult to value commodities and consumables that we need uh mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. yeah and and i think this is one of the most attractive characteristics for Bitcoin, I think it's one of the things that resonates with people most that there's a limited supply and you kind of go, ah, you know, this is not something that can be inflated. It's not something can, you know, they can't make more of them and devalue what I have, you know, but I think it's interesting if you're talking about actual money, I'm not sure that a limited supply is actually the best. I know this is a totally blasphemous thing among Bitcoiners to say that, you know, limited supply is not a good thing for money, you know, um, I mean, like if you if you go back to and a lot of bitcoins will say this as well you know we had a gold standard that's the last time we had good money or we had kind of good money back in well you know gold never had a you know fixed cap gold has always had you know an inflation rate which has been limited by work and um, proof of work is important but it's somewhat up until the 12 trillion was found in uganda it was somewhat predictable on how much of the gold supply was introduced every year so they said it was about two percent so yes so i agree while while it might not be uh strictly limited Mm -hmm. it was predictable yeah and and i 100 percent agree with that you know and um i think bitcoin and it's just me thinking out loud you know part of what made it take off is this limited fixed supply and people kind of go they can they can very clearly see that's it and once people cop figure this out they'll be like my god like i have to get some of this because you know if everybody thinks the same thing there's just not enough to go around you know um but if you're looking at something to be actually good money i i i kind of think you probably have to have a very low base rate of inflation you know um and and i don't i don't actually think it's realistic or um i don't think it's logical that your money should hold value for all eternity i know michael saylor would be you know jumping up and down hearing that but but you know um at the end of the day the work i do now should not hold the same value in 50 or 100 years that it did when i did it i mean if you if you you know i say i get you to make me a, a wooden shed michael you know i mean the, the, in 50 years that shed's going to be crumbling no matter how, how good you i don't know it'd you know. be a pretty good shed now <laughs> but uh, but you know i mean there should be some incentive that okay your money should retain valuable over a significant period of my lifetime but um 
but for it to sustain value in all perpetuity, I'm not sure that that's a necessarily good thing. And it, I do think it incentivizes just hoarding as opposed to maybe investing, you know. But um, It does. Um, but where I would see the flip side of that is when you don't have the predictability and uh, you have what we have now, whereas mm-hmm. the money supply is just increasing by massive uh, magnitudes over the last yeah. Uh, three or four years yeah and, and the and the argument could be well and, and maybe i'm sure satoshi thought, thought about this well i could i could make it a fixed inflation rate but how do i know what's the right inflation rate you know i mean yeah um, and anything where and you just be introduce just where you introduce a human element then as well because we've seen it with other cryptocurrencies where they will start with a certain amount of supply and because it's not a fixed supply they will begin um inflating that supply and usually once yeah. the in you do start inflating that supply it just continues down that road um i also wonder if bitcoin has an an, an inbuilt infl- permanent inflation rate does it actually take off the way it's it's taken off probably but anyway I, i've labored that point a little too long <laughs> that's fine that's fine um so yeah just on those properties of money um bitcoin definitely meets those four main ones in terms of um fungible you can uh, trade it for other goods uh, mm-hmm. durable with standardies uh, with stand repeated use it's completely digital all it requires is a public and private key uh, divisible uh, as we said uh, each bitcoin is made up of a hundred million satoshis and just if anyone's not aware you can buy any amount you don't need to buy a whole bitcoin um you can Mm -hmm. buy as many satoshis as you want uh Mm -hmm. portable easily carried around and transported um you can bring it anywhere Um, i think this is one of the most attractive things about bitcoin is its liquidity and portability you know i mean you mm -hmm. literally there's very little things you can actually liquidate as quickly as bitcoin there's very few things that are so easy to transport anywhere in the world i mean there's there's literally i i I don't can't think of anything that's as easy to transport um so well okay obviously there are other cryptos and so on but but they don't have the same the reliability of bitcoin so yeah because essentially um if you if you have your mnemonic um phrase which is basically your signing key or it gives you the ability to import your signing key to your wallet or anything so once you have that phrase in your head you have your bitcoin with you um Mm -hmm. you can use any device then with that phrase to to access it or send it and receive bitcoin um so yeah so when you want it Sorry, I just want to just because um, um, you you're obviously quite good at the technical side of things. Um, you know, for for people less who are less technical like me, I mean, basically what you're saying is that every time you want to make a Bitcoin transaction, you sign it, and 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 that's how the network knows that you actually own this Bitcoin. You have the authority to transact this Bitcoin. Exactly. And basically, you have, you have a password essentially. Uh, to, to yeah, that. exactly. So of, yeah. Good, a good way of explaining it is like an email address and a password. So the public key mm-hmm. is your email address where you can receive Bitcoin. People just need mm-hmm. your address. Mm-hmm. Paste that in or scan that code and you can receive the Bitcoin. And then the private key is like your password which nobody else knows but yourself, and you use that to actually spend or transfer the Bitcoin yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's interesting. There are small problems with each of those um, uh, characteristics of Bitcoin. The fungibility, to some argument that because all the transactions are so transparent, people can see them, there will be some Bitcoin that are being flagged as being used um, for crime or yeah. some Bitcoin that might have been put into coin joins, which is not a problem now. Coin join where people put all their coins in together and then they're distributed and nobody knows which transactions were sent where or who owns which coins. And that's great for privacy, which I think is really important for Bitcoin. But it is there is a potential there. Some government will say, oh, well, look, Bitcoin is fine to use for transactions. But if those coins have been ever involved in a coin join, you can't transact with them. And, and you there obviously there will be places, there'll always be somewhere you can transact those coins. But you, you could end up banned from certain exchanges or, or, or that type of thing. So it's potentially a, a problem for fungibility there. Yeah, that's that's true um, because uh, the way Bitcoin works, and especially in the past, if you were using your same um, wallet address or transaction mm-hmm. um, ID, uh, it can be traced back to you. Whereas now there is uh, more privacy features uh, mm-hmm. built in, where it will derive different keys, uh, that mm-hmm. uh, different public keys from your main your main key, so it gives you that bit more. Um, that bit more privacy. Uh, and this is actually a question, uh, it's a bit of a tangent uh, uh, that I was asked during the week. Uh, Steve, I want to get your opinion on it. So can yeah. the government ban or take my Bitcoin? Uh, can they ban Bitcoin? They can certainly try to. I don't think they can outright ban Bitcoin. No, um, we can talk about that a little bit. And can they take your Bitcoin? No, no, they can kill you but they can't take your Bitcoin unless you give it to them. Um, very good. So so what I would say about that is um, initially when you're getting into Bitcoin, you're usually buying it on an exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a marketplace or like where you trade stocks, uh, do something similar. So you'd log in, you'd deposit your money and you'd buy your Bitcoin and a lot of people will leave their um, Bitcoin there. So there is a saying, uh, not your keys, not your coin. When you're giving up um, that aspect of control to a third party, there's always a risk that something could happen. We've seen it a lot in the last couple of weeks with um, other crypto products, basically um, going to the wall and getting liquidated. Yeah. Um, so there is always that risk if you don't self custody your Bitcoin yourself. So if you don't have a digital wallet or a hardware wallet that through legislation or through third party risk that something goes wrong and your Bitcoin could be lost. So it's happened to big exchanges in the past that, uh, they've either been hacked or they've run out of funds and the customer's Bitcoin has been, uh, you know, it's lost. And there is no retrieving it um, once it's lost. Yeah. Um, um, like so. So I mean, uh, scenario where the government can't take your Bitcoin, all they can do is is kill you. Okay, that's tongue in cheek. But that is that is only true in the scenario where you're self custody. Okay, so that's the point you're making. That if you entrust your Bitcoin to somebody else that's no different than your money in the bank, which can be frozen um, or which is subject to maybe government regulations and, and so on. So 
Now, that's not to say that all third-party custodians are bad. And I think, especially if you're just starting off with Bitcoin, I think actually it's a very good idea to, you know, buy some Bitcoin on exchange, you know, use Coinbase, use something well-known and recognize that you feel comfortable with, use a small amount and buy it and keep it on there and just see how you, how you find it, you know. But, um, but I think if you have a substantial amount and if you are willing to put in not very much time, it doesn't take very much, but a little bit of time to understand how to self-custody your own Bitcoin. Well, it makes a lot more sense to do it that way. And I don't think, I don't think you need to go multi-signature where you need to have it spread all over the place. But you know, I mean, you you can certainly do a single signature Bitcoin that you that you manage yourself, and it shouldn't be too difficult. But I think starting I off. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I just I was just gonna say it is daunting the first couple of times you do it it's it's completely alien you know Mm -hmm. uh, when you're interacting and you're using bitcoin addresses and even though there is um safety features built in that you will stop you putting in the wrong address and all you're just basically looking at a big long list yeah look i remember the first time you sent some money over because you text me afterwards sent some bitcoin and you sent it and for the 15 or 20 minutes afterwards you're like steve i am breaking it i don't know where is is this actually going to end up where where it's supposed to end up you know so it is it is daunting yeah and um uh, that's a good point just on the speed of bitcoin itself uh steve so if i'm to send you uh some bitcoin just on the base layer yeah. How long does that take to actually, um, do you know, appear in your in your wallet? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. There's not a fixed time. I mean, it can, it, it, depending on when you submitted it, it could be quite quickly within a few minutes um, and depending on what fees you've agreed to pay. So you can pay a higher fee, it'll it'll come in quicker in the next block, you know. But typically, if you get it in within the one block, it, it should be kind of 10, 15, 20 minutes, that type, type of time period, you know. But, yeah, but so that, that depends. That is... It all depends exactly so that's just to say like when once you transact on the base bitcoin layer it's not an instant transfer like so if you pay with a visa card it's not instant either but it appears instant you 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 get the you know the transaction goes through and you get the settlement if you're transacting on the base bitcoin layer it's not feasible uh for you to go into a shop and do a Bitcoin transaction for a cup of coffee because you are waiting for those um, confirmations. Mm-hmm. And the confirmations happen when a new Bitcoin is mined. Yeah. And basically it, it just gathers up all the transactions and puts them in a block. And every 10 minutes, there's a new block uh, mined. Mm-hmm. So you are waiting for that. And that was always one of the criticisms of Bitcoin that it was too slow. And we talked about it um, previously um there is uh solutions for that um there is uh lightning uh network which is basically uh, a layer two um an off-chain bitcoin transaction which um does instant payments basically basically the speed of the connection and uh once that payment is settled then and the lightning network uh submits them down onto the the core uh, Bitcoin blockchain. So there is uh, ways around that. Um, but everything only gets settled once those uh, transactions have been put in a block and that block has been created. Yep. That's it. As Bitcoin as it was conceived, that's the way it was it was designed to work and uh, and that there wasn't there's no kind of no real way around it, you know, in order to do the proof of work and, and for that, that system to work you, you needed to have the delay. 
Yeah, I guess it's probably worth um, giving a little explanation on proof of work and how mm -hmm. Bitcoins are mined. Mm -hmm. So essentially, uh, proof of work, it's just a mathematical problem uh, that requires CPU, so computer power and electricity. And what they're trying to do is solve a mathematical problem. Um, it take, it's quite complex to solve the mathematical problem. So what they're trying to do, it's, it's like a guessing game. Yeah. And so, so when we hear Bitcoin miners, have, I know people know this, but this is what Bitcoin miners do. They try and solve these mathematical problems. Exactly. And um, it just takes the compute power and the electricity, and it's like guessing a number. So it actually takes a considerable amount of time for these really uh, powerful computers called ASICs uh, to solve this problem. But it's very easy to verify. Once that problem has been solved, um anybody else can verify it very easily and this proof of work and the difficulty adjustment are the two main features of bitcoin that differentiate it from everything else along with the fixed supply but without the proof of work if you had more bitcoins than i did you'd have more say on how the network is run you, you'd have more control and that is like the current financial system. So anybody closest to um, easy capital has more say in the system. They're going to get the benefits of it. Whereas with the Bitcoin uh, network, everybody is treated equally. It doesn't matter how much Bitcoin you own. You get a say in how that um, network is run. So every 10 minutes, as we said, all the transactions get put in and the miner um, who basically solves that gets the transaction fees and they also get a block subsidy. So that's like a reward for finding the block. Mm -hmm. And once they have that block, they send that out to the rest of the network. And once that block is sent out, then it gets added onto the ledger. And so everybody can run uh, the ledger on their own uh, computer so if you have a laptop or if you have uh, a little raspberry pi or anything you can have a complete copy of the ledger so you can verify every transaction that's ever happened on the on the bitcoin network yeah yep. um so a couple of more difficult ones to answer steve and okay. these have probably changed over time uh is it a good store of value uh, is Bitcoin a good store of value? Uh, well, it has been so far. I mean, it's it's uh, it's. I mean, it's been far more than a store of value. It's it's been doing nothing but but going up. But um, it has huge volatility over the short term. So, um, I think it has all the characteristics that should make it a good store of value. Um, and I suppose the main one would be the the limited supply. Um, as long as it remains desirable. I think it will be a store of value. Um, so, uh, and as far as I can see, you know, the use cases for it are, are, are you know, just growing um, every year. It's it's slow, and um, I think that um, the actual monetary value in terms of U.S. dollars or, or euros, um, you know, it, it overshoots um, frequently, uh, and then comes back down. Uh, but it's it's very hard to say what the the actual value of Bitcoin is at, at any one time. But yeah, I think over time, if you're willing to hold on to it and you're not looking to spend it today or tomorrow or this year, 
I think over time it will hold its value and, and probably far more likely to appreciate its value than, than to than to lose it over, over, over time. So I think up until this month. Yeah, uh, I, I think up until this month anyway, um, if you had held Bitcoin for four years, you were always uh, fairly well in profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might be a couple of weeks now where that is not true anymore. Sure, um, yeah, from the peak in, of 2018. Yeah, but in general, if if your time frame is around four years, mm-hmm. um, you should be you should be looking uh, pretty good. Um, so another question is like, um, why is it so volatile? And I think I think you answered there. Like, it is a new asset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 volatility is is par for the course. Um, you would expect over the longer term that volatility would decline. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we don't know uh, when that could be. But yeah. one of the things you have to look at is um, the users, the number of users on the Bitcoin network. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think of it like the internet adoption or mobile phone adoption. So there's a lot of people writing off the internet and mobile phones back in the mm-hmm. you know early 90s for the internet and you know late 90s for for mobile phones mm-hmm. but the core thing was user adoption and the more people use it the more uses on the network and the value of these assets um increase and and, and just, to cut across you for a second mike i mean you're talking about user growth uh, and if you're if you're to equate that with value i mean uh, like the actual market cap of of Bitcoin is 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 quite small. You know, it's really still very very tiny. Um, and you can get massive user growth in terms of you know people like you and me who are really not going to add much in terms of value or to the value of Bitcoin. But if if you end up getting one or two big users, you know whether one or two or hopefully twenty or a hundred or five hundred, you know where where there are nation states where there um big companies you know that's that's where if you're talking about the value of it that's where it starts to go up when these these companies are or these pension funds or whatever else are looking to invest in bitcoin they're, they're the ones that are going to impact the the value uh, if, if you're looking at it in, in fiat terms you know yeah and um another thing I, I notice over the year over say the last 18 months is the amount of you know amount of these institutions that are offering bitcoin services now Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned it before, like 12 months ago, they moved the price with those announcements. And whereas there's just yes. so many companies involved now, so many banks offering it, even, you know, South America yes, uh, and all like 12 months ago, that's a massive announcement and Bitcoin spikes 10% for that day. And, and this is a hurdle, you know, in terms of accessing it, you know, I mean, when I wanted to buy it, I, I didn't know where to buy it or how to buy it or, you know, was there a safe way to buy it? And you were just like, yeah, Coinbase, but, you know, but, 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 you know, for a lot of people, these are companies, you know, that you've never heard of, interacted with, you don't know who they are, you can't trust them. Bitcoin is still kind of in the media as this shady currency and still being associated with criminals and, and all the rest is, you know, rubbish that you see uh, in, in the media. Um, but I saw an, a really interesting YouTube uh, clip, or maybe it was on, on Twitter, of, of a credit union who are offering Bitcoin services in, in the States to their clients. And it showed their 
user interface and it was the typical credit union you know you log into your interface here and there was like a little section where you go to bitcoin click buy bitcoin you're buying it in your credit union account and that's the type of thing where you know your your mother or your father or your aunt or you know the lady down the street will kind of go well i got some of my credit union you know that that's that's the kind of thing where you will see small little little incremental bits of adoption like that yeah it's it's about removing any you know friction to access mm-hmm. these services because like it wasn't always so straightforward. No. Like a lot of the apps now, you're you're using Bitcoin. You don't even know you're you're using the Bitcoin network, whether it's transacting with dollars or euros or anything. But they yeah. can run on on the Bitcoin network. It is at that it, once it gets to that point where anybody can use it, they don't need to know how the underlying technology works. Because if you ask somebody like how does central banking work. They don't know, like, you know, they don't know how. They don't know what <laughs> I don't think, don't think the people who are running central banks know how central banks work. Exactly. But, you know, it's not something that's easily to explain, but you don't need to. You sure. Know? And it'll be the same or even a better example, how the internet works. You know, yeah, something exactly. that people use every day. Mm-hmm. And um, how does your you telephone work? Yeah, you ju- it just works. And um, and once it gets to that point, you know, that's uh, it removes the friction and it's an easier point of entry um, yeah. for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Mr. Bitcoin Cash also had some questions. Um, well, let's hear them. Forever known as Mr. Bitcoin Cash. Now. <laughs> um, and, and these are actually good questions. They, they are. And there is no right or wrong answer, really. Uh, to them Mm -hmm. so how does bitcoin become a currency when there's a limited amount of it and its distribution is probably like 0.01 percent of the population so i think what's he what he's getting there and this is something i've thought about for a long time is how does bitcoin become distributed to everybody Mm -hmm. how like what's stopping a couple of whales buying up all the supply of bitcoin yeah, when there's not a lot. I mean, okay. Well, the first thing to stop them is people won't sell it to them. But um, but um, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you you, you know, you could have people buying up buying up Bitcoin. Um, I I'm not particularly worried about it becoming a currency. I presume he means it becoming like a global reserve currency as opposed to being because obviously there's lots of small countries who have currencies, but but it would be a very small percentage of the global population. Um, I don't I don't think it's something that happens overnight. I mean, you have the U.S. dollar, which I think is you know, widely recognized as the reserve currency of the world, but it's it's still just a, a percentage of, of, of your global currency. So I see Bitcoin as taking a larger and larger chunk of that, you know. Um, I mean, it's it, there is a difficulty there and it's not really recognized as, as a currency, you know. So I, 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 I'm, I'm not even sure we should be thinking of it in those terms. You know, I, I, I see it as being a bigger portion of maybe the asset pies in in the world as opposed to maybe directly replacing a currency you know i i can't see many of the big countries embracing it as a currency like el salvador have done you know well the the only thing i'd say there um like if you look at currencies globally at the moment there's Mm -hmm. one currency um as the us dollar that is strengthening against every other currency yeah and even at the same time it's devaluing itself because they keep printing more of it but it just looks strong in relation to, to assets yeah it's the value yeah exactly so you look at the japanese uh yen which is in free fall you look in turkey middle east like lebanon huge rates of inflation all these currencies are failing 
Um, so I wouldn't write it off uh, in terms of it being like a pretty large uh, percentage of a world currency that people will transact in. And it will be these countries first um, that it takes hold in, in terms of, because they'll get, they'll get their, their wages and they'll mm-hmm. convert it straight away to whether it's Bitcoin or yeah. a stable coin, yes. uh, just for it to hold its value for a period of time. And at the moment, what people want is US dollars, right? They want something pegged to the dollar that they're able yeah. to spend. So if they yes. Turkish lira, they'll convert it to its stable coin, which is pegged one-to-one with the US dollar. Okay. Mm-hmm. But over time, that might change as well. You know, we don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I do think like Bitcoin is potentially very attractive, uh, I suppose, globally to be used that way. I mean, even if no nation state endorses it, you know, anyone can transact with anybody. But I think your second point there is, is really important that at the moment, you know, it, I think people are probably much more attracted to um, deal with US dollar stable coins because it's, it's the yeah. dollar and they're familiar with the dollar. And a lot of times they can't access the dollar. Um, so and, um, like the, the problem is Bitcoin is so volatile that you may not yeah. be affor- able to afford to take the hit. You know, yeah. long term, yeah, I'll, I'll hold Bitcoin. But if you're trying to, if you're getting paid in your lira and you, want, you need sure. to buy food for that, for that day, yeah, look, it's I not think... Bitcoin that you want. It's 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 the dollar. At the moment, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I I do I also agree with you in that if Bitcoin continues to do what it has done for its lifetime so far against the dollar, um, which I think it I think it probably will. Um, I don't think it's a hundred percent, but I think it's far more likely that it will than it won't continue to increase in value versus the dollar. But eventually, it will come to that tipping point where people kind of go, "Here, hang on. Why am I? Why am I?" converting everything to the dollar this thing over here is just continually crushing the dollar you know so yeah and i think that's maybe when a switch happens I mean, and that is 100 uh, percent um, agree and i think the second part of this question is kind of it's a difficult one the distribution um so we actually saw this happen recently um where a lot of the the big holders of bitcoin got involved mm-hmm. in leverage and you know they were using their yeah. bitcoin to earn more money and they got liquidated mm-hmm. so you know yeah. they lost quite a percentage and what happens in those um scenarios is it usually if 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 it happens to enough people like it did this time the price drops which gives more people an opportunity to get more bitcoin for themselves but um i think what was seen was out of the the large capitulations, it was small buyers that were taken up a lot of it. Now, okay. it could be anybody, you know, it could be sure. it could be another big whale, but they're just doing different buys to different wallets. You don't know. Sure. But it definitely looked like there was distribution going on. And mm-hmm. I, I, the other side of that is people are always going to need liquidity for something. You know, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a need for money. So. Yeah, at some point price. you have to sell for the essentials in life there's things you're going to need to buy you will have to sell at some point you know um, yeah and because people will have different entry points you know some people will have bought it yeah three thousand some people will have bought it sixty nine thousand yeah so they might have a sell price in mind you know once they get there they'll sell a portion to cover their costs and it gets um distributed that way 
Yeah, look, if you bought 500 uh, Bitcoin at $50, you know, I mean, you can sell 250 of them and you won't notice the difference in your lifetime. <laughs> you know, you'll still have far exactly. too many than you need you ever need to spend. So um, people will spend it. Um, is it is it a maybe potential for it to, or, or sorry, a difficulty for it to become fairly distributed? Yeah, it is, you know, but I challenge you to find a fair method of distributing uh, money across the globe. I, I think that's incredibly difficult to do, you know. Um, so I, th I think Bitcoin has, it's it's one of the fair, fair ways it's come across. It's still very fair, you know. Um, it is, but it's, not, it's not perfect. Has, Certainly not perfect. It's, it's not perfect, but everybody has um, an equal opportunity to buy. Um just the last one, and I'll answer it myself, um, is now a good time to buy. And I would say, well, you have to do your own research on that. But <laughs> What's personally, that, that was I, a specific question. <laughs> it was a specific question. Uh, personally, I have, you know, I have enough belief in the in the network, and mm -hmm. really, like, what you need to look at what's happening globally in terms of. Um, you know economics and as we discussed the the currencies and i don't see a better option out there and the, the more i look into it the stronger my beliefs are obviously mm -hmm. there there's always concerns you can never be sure about anything no um but, but more, more and more I, I think everyone uh, I, I think everyone should have some Bitcoin. <laughs> I think everyone should just buy some, okay? And buy the amount that you're yeah. comfortable with, okay? If it's an amount that if you're going to freak out tomorrow if it goes down 80 or 90% in value and sell it all, well, that was too much, okay? You need to pick an amount that you're comfortable with and, and buy that, okay? And if your conviction grows over time, you're happier holding a higher percentage of your net worth in bitcoin well great you, you can do that and you have the confidence to hold that at the times when you should hold it you know um and, and sell it maybe when it's appropriate but but i i, I think yeah, and just prepare for some volatility in yes. both directions exactly you know don't get overexcited when the price rises sell if you want but yeah um, you know just be aware maybe. it does go the other way as well and um Exactly. That that is the one bit of advice I would have is if you have bought in higher and you're yes. looking at a fifty percent drawdown, just sit on it. I I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't sell it at a fifty percent loss because anybody that's done that in the past has just watched the price go back above where they bought. Yeah, and look, it's impossible to time tops or or, or or bottoms. So look, I mean, I would start getting wary when Tom Brady puts on the laser eyes. But beyond that, you know, uh, <laughs> not sure there's there's many other many other top signals. Yeah, and really a good way of looking at it is uh, dollar cost average is good advice. Um, so set aside uh, if you have five hundred euro that you want to invest in Bitcoin. Uh, spread it across five weeks and put a hundred in every week. So you're minimizing the volatility over that period. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a good way to, to look at it. Yeah, um, pick a small amount you're comfortable putting away every week as well. And you can you can stick it in if, if that's what it, if it doesn't have to be very much. You yeah. can buy a tenner, you know, if you want. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's most likely going to be better than a tenner in the bank long term in a couple yeah. of years <laughs> in four years and one month yeah. um good stuff steve um i think we will 
leave it there for tonight. Um, but we might go into a little bit more detail on how Bitcoin works next week. Maybe we'll discuss mining a little bit more and love the miners. Love the miners. You love the old mining stocks as well, Mike. I'm sure you love an opportunity to get a, a little bit of a chat in about them. Uh, we, we might discuss more mining stocks, yeah. Um, some bargains yeah. out there right now. <laughs> yeah, before we finish up, Mike, yeah, just wondering, any, any good articles you read this week or anything you wanted to uh, run by us? Um, I was going to ask you that. I haven't read. Oh, I, I figured I might ask you instead. Yeah, no, I actually don't think I read. I, I read, um, what's his face? Uh, Antlock, what is his name? Oh, the Lightning book. Yeah, Mastering I the read Lightning Network. Mastering the Lightning Network. Um, so I've read a couple of chapters of that. It's very digestible, actually. Okay. It, it is very approachable. So um, My understanding uh, is the first couple of chapters might be fairly digestible, but he might be in for a nasty shock after that. Yeah, well, I haven't read I'm it. This gonna, is I'm not going to read it all, but definitely the first uh, three chapters so far have been been a good introduction. Very good. Thanks, million, Steve, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Look forward to it. Cheers. <laughs>